right. Bears fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Bears banter powered by Windy City, Gridiron, and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And oh, baby. Oh, baby. It is a fun, fun week to be a Chicago Bears fan. Did the Chicago Bears lose to the Miami Dolphins? Why, yes. Yes, they did. Does it seem like they won the game and nobody gives two you-know-whats that they lost this game to the Miami Dolphins? Why, yes. Yes, it does, because this was a coming-out party for Justin Fields. This is getting fun. This is getting excited. And this is foreign Bears fans to every living Bears fan ever. Because we have never had a quarterback this dynamic, this interesting, this compelling. We are going to talk about it all with Adam Johns of The Athletic, the Hogan Johns podcast. You all know Johnsy quite well. He's going to be stopping by here in just a little bit. But before he comes on this podcast, let's talk about what has transpired here with Justin Fields. And let's talk about the narrative changing around Justin Fields. Now, before we start all that, I have mentioned a few times on this podcast that the Justin Fields situation is a DEFCON situation. That's what we're using here, where you know you, you elevate. DEFCON 1 is basically nuclear war. DEFCON 5 is peacetime, right? So, so what, what had happened here? We had elevated the DEFCON 4 at the end of the season last year. We had elevated DEFCON 3 after a few bad games. Well, that was a short-lived stay at DEFCON 3, basically only for about a month, month plus, we're going back down to DEFCON 4 because you have got to feel good about what is going on with Justin Fields on so many levels. And of course, yes, there is the situation of his athleticism and what is going on with him running the football, which is fantastic. And he is a weapon all on his own, like nothing we have ever seen in Chicago. And again, like I said before, when I'm talking about this is foreign to everyone in Chicago, unless someone was on a much better beat with an exciting quarterback and came to Chicago to cover, then we've never experienced this. Like even the older Bears fans and older Bears reporters who remember like Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon was a top 10 pick. McMahon was picked higher than Fields. And McMahon flashed some serious talent at the quarterback situation, at the quarterback position. It wasn't his talent that held McMahon back. It was the injuries that held McMahon back. Had McMahon been healthy, I mean, he wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer, but McMahon would have made multiple Pro Bowls and would have been consistently a top five, six quarterback in the NFC, which in the 1980s with guys like Phil Simms and Joe Theismann and Joe Montana, there were plenty of solid quarterbacks in the NFC. And, you know, McMahon would have been maybe not at that level. He's not going to be Montana, but maybe, you know, in that next tier. So, but but McMahon wasn't dynamic like this. He was, he was a tough son of a gun. He ran the football. He put his head down, but his body didn't hold up. You know, Mitch Trubisky, we were all excited, but even Trubisky's athleticism, which was above average and good, certainly didn't show this level of talent and the arm talent and, and the athleticism. So this, this is foreign to all of us. Nobody knows what they're talking about. They really don't. Anyone in Chicago who claims they know what's going on with Justin Fields, they are full of crap. They don't know. And that's what's exciting. This unknown is exciting. What is Justin Fields' ceiling? We don't know. 
Justin Fields could level out and be an athletic quarterback who's, you know, 12, 13, 14 in the NFL kind of thing. Justin Fields could keep getting better and be a top 10 quarterback, a top five quarterback, a top three quarterback. That's what's fun about this development. So let's just sit back and enjoy it. And if you hear a little construction in the background, sorry, they're, they're drilling to the center of the earth in my house right now. Not too much I could do about it. But that's what's making this fun is the unknown and the excitement. And, and look, the national media, and this doesn't happen very often for the Chicago Bears. I mean, the national media got excited about the 2018 defense, things like that. This doesn't happen too often with the Chicago Bears, where there is a talented player that the national media, you know, whether it's Pat McAfee, Michael Irvin, Ryan Clark, any major analysts are looking at this now and going, wow, this guy is something special. Man, if he puts this all together, what, 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 is, what is he going to be? That's what's exciting. The, everyone is starting to see the talent come together and credit Luke Getze for really changing things up and, change, and taking aspects of different offenses, whether that be Baltimore, whether that be Buffalo, you know, teams that have a mobile quarterback that move them around, that give design runs, and Getze really changed what he did. Let's be honest, a lot of us, myself included, and I think for good reason, we're not happy with what Luke Getze was doing the first month or so of the season, but he has really changed his approach and really built an offensive game plan around Justin Fields. And you are starting to, I mean, Bill Belichick had no answer. The Dallas Cowboys had no answer. Mike McDaniel in Miami had, the, I mean, it's not like he's doing pretty well and having moments. No, they have no answer for this offense right now. The last three weeks, the Chicago Bears are one point shy of being the highest scoring offense in the NFL. I know it's three games, it's a small sample, but they didn't do it against Detroit and Houston. They did it against Dallas and New England. Good defenses. Miami is a good football team. They are scoring against talented teams. And they're doing it basically on the arm and legs of Justin Fields. Yes, are they running the football still well with Herbert and Montgomery? Sure. But Justin Fields is what's opening all this up. And you see the process is improving and you see what he's doing. You see him even on, on you know, Emmanuel Acho brought this up and I thought it was a, a great point about Fields seeing the coverage, seeing what the defense is presenting him and audibling at the line and trying to get Mooney to the end zone. And, and it, he didn't quite connect but it was a good idea and it was, the, it was the right idea. The turnovers are going way down. He is seeing the field. Things are slowing down. If he had talented receivers, not named Vellis Jones, inactive scratch, by the way. Whoo, whoo, baby, that, that, that draft pick is going the wrong direction right now. But if Vellis Jones could catch the week before, if Equanimee St. Brown could catch they're on the final drive. I mean, these are the type of things that when you actually infuse the offense with talent, which we're expecting to happen this offseason, what can Justin Fields do when he has one of, instead of one of the worst offensive supporting casts in the league, potentially one of the best? What would Justin Fields be at that point? And that is beyond exciting. What can happen here? Because if you don't see, if you just think 
that this is a gimmick and they're using Justin Fields' speed because he can't throw the football. And I will say, my mentions, because I sent out a bunch of Justin Fields tweets on Sunday and Monday, my mentions are a shit show. Because, and sure, there's some Michigan fans and some Detroit and, and, and um, Minnesota fans and Green Bay fans coming in and, and pissing on our parade. Sure, sure that's happening. But there are so many Bears fans that just don't see it with Justin Fields and don't see the growth. And I don't understand the game you're watching, fellas. I don't understand what you're watching because you're sitting there saying, well, it's a gimmick. You're sitting there and saying, well, he's running because he can't process the field and he's not an accurate passer and all this stuff. This, it, you're parroting things you heard on September 10th. Like, I don't understand if you watch Bears game, I don't care if you're not a former quarterback or you didn't play offensive line for seven years. But I, if you're just a guy who watches football every Sunday and you watch every Bears game and you have for the last five, 10, 20 years, whatever it might be, I don't understand how you can watch Justin Fields playing football and not see the development. Forget that the stats and the running stats and things like that are getting better and they're scoring. Just the actual process of him playing quarterback. If you haven't seen improvement this year and significant improvement from what he was doing basically against Houston compared to what he's doing now, if you don't see the improvement, I don't know how to explain it to you. I mean, go on and find some of the best analysts. Forget me. Go, go find some of the best analysts who have played in the NFL, quarterbacks, coaches who are watching him and going, look what he does here. Look what he does here. You know, that, that, that run, this, the 60-yard touchdown run where he was a hair from throwing it. But then the receiver turns his back and he goes, oh, well, that's not going to turn out. Tucks it and runs like he, you know, they're, they're, the defenses are putting a spy on him now pretty much permanently, which defenses have to do. They have to try and keep him somewhat contained. But right now, you cannot tackle Justin Fields on uh, in a one-on-one -on -one situation. You cannot do it. It's not working. So you're wasting a defender in the passing game to spy Justin Fields, and he can't tackle him one-on-one -on -one anyway. This is how dangerous he's becoming. Does he have a long way to go? Yes, he has a long way to go. Like I said, he is one of the greatest athletes to ever play quarterback in the history of the NFL. And I was attacked for it, attacked. I did not say he was one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I said he's one of the best athletes. And that you cannot argue that. You wanna say, oh, well, Michael Vick's better. Oh, well, Lamar Jackson's better. I'm not trying to you know, split hairs about who is better in this situation. But if you wanna to say top 10 athletes to ever play quarterback, Justin Fields is on that list. I think he's top five. I think he might be top three. But when I say one of the best in the history of the NFL, I would say top 10 is a pretty safe number to throw out there. And he's top 10. So sit there and, and argue and complain that I, about what I tweeted. Folks, he is that dynamic of an athlete. So please, please, do not try and argue that point. I did not say he's better than Joe Montana. I did not say he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I did not say he's better than Warren Moon. I said he is a fantastic athlete and one of the best that's ever been at the quarterback position as an athlete. So actually read what I'm tweeting instead of just complaining about it and jumping on me. But I'll tell you what, Bears fans. I mean, and I tweeted this out. 
because my mentions are such a mess with a lot of Bears fans, and I have complete and utter confusion as to how when Justin Fields is drafted, you're like, this is exciting. He's athletic, he's fast, he's got a great arm. Bears fan, unanimous, woo, Justin Fields. And I was right there with you. Then Matt Nagy tries to keep him in the pocket, doesn't really utilize his skills. And everyone said, what are you doing with Justin Fields? Get him out of the pocket, get him running, get him moving. And then Luke Getze, same thing. Doesn't do design runs, doesn't do design rollouts. Is just kind of letting Fields sit there. And you're all complaining. And I was too, don't get me wrong. And then Getsy starts doing these things and the design runs and he's telling Fields to run and to take what's, what he's got. And all the things that Bears fans have wanted for a year and a half. And now my mentions are, he's not doing it from the pocket. He needs to get in the pocket. Pocket this, pocket. Yeah, he's gonna be in the pocket sometimes. But let this develop. This offense that we're that we're seeing right now from Luke Getze is not gonna be the same offense mid-season next year or two years from now. The offense is gonna evolve as well. So don't just sit there. Look big picture. Look at what's happening here. Look at the development and be excited. Yeah, we don't know what the ceiling is. The ceiling might be that he's a fast Derek Carr. And that may be he's a bubble as to can you win, can you not win with Justin Fields. But he may be in the Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen category in two years because we don't know the ceiling, but we know it's a high ceiling potentially. And what can he reach? So sit back, have fun, enjoy what we're seeing. The Bears are playing a lot of bad defenses over the next back half of the season. Better teams, but a lot of mediocre defenses. So we're gonna see what Justin Fields can do. Now the defense, now that you've gotten rid of your entire front four from Hicks and Goldman in the off season and Mack in the off season and now Robert Quinn and you know Roquan Smith traded as well, you have the worst front seven in the NFL. I think, you know, if you ask most football fans, hardcore football fans, name someone on the Chicago Bears front seven, maybe they can give you Nick Morrow, but they don't know any of these players. Uh, you know, Justin Jones, maybe. Like, the, the front seven is horrendous, and the defense is going to be pathetic because of it, but that's okay, because they have a ton of holes. And I would much rather have the holes on defense with the offense humming than the holes on the offense and losing games 13 and six. So let's have fun, let's watch fields develop, let's stop pissing and moaning about it. This is why Bears fans can't have nice things, because when something nice is starting to develop, you all run and hide. So let's enjoy it. Let's have some fun. Let's stop complaining that Justin Fields is not sitting in the pocket enough. And yeah, I get the longevity issues. But look, when you draft a quarterback like Justin Fields, like Lamar Jackson, even Russell Wilson, you know, who is not a running quarterback, but is very mobile and uses his legs frequently, they're going to take more hits. And Justin Fields holds on to the football because he's a big play hunter. So he's going to take more hits. Like Russell Wilson took more hits as a big play hunter. And that's gonna take years off his career. So don't expect Justin Fields, most likely, I, I know there's, there's always freaks that, that can handle this. Don't expect Justin Fields to be the quarterback when he's 38 years old for the Chicago Bears. He's probably got a 10, 12 year career. 32, 33 is probably where he's gonna putter out because of the hits he's gonna take. But that's okay, because you're still talking about having a decade of excellent quarterback play if that's what Justin Fields becomes. So accept who he is as a player, embrace who he is as a player, and let's bear the F down and let's win some football games in 2023. 
Adam Johns is joining us here in a minute. We'll get to him on the other side of this break. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for this guest. He has been nice enough to join us, I think, every year the last three or four years, uh, whether he's got a book going or just to talk about Justin Fields and the explosion we have seen in the Chicago Bears offense. He is from The Athletic, Adam Johns. And, of course, the Hogan Johns podcast, you know him well. He joins us now. Adam, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? Good, Bill. Maybe one day we'll be writing a book about Justin Fields. <laughs> you never know. If, if that's What's so exciting here, Adam, is – None of us know, like, and that's what I was saying kind of in the opening of my podcast. We don't know what Justin Fields is. And I say that in a, in a positive way. We don't know if he is going to be like Derek Carr, but with better movement and better, you know, mobility, or if he's going to be in that Mahomes Allen category in a couple of years, we're seeing a dynamic quarterback. We're seeing something we've never seen in, in Chicago sports on the football field. And I can't only imagine what it's like for you being able to be at Soldier Field and at road games and watching what we've seen develop here over the last month of the season. I think what we know, though, is that he could play and succeed and be the reason the Bears win or become or, or get close to winning, right? They have not won. They did not beat the Dolphins, but Justin Fields' success changes the conversation. But he's starting to look like that quarterback. And I know this is a cliche, and it's said all the time, but he's starting to look like that quarterback that you can win because of, not just with. You know, like Mitch Trubisky was a quarterback you win with, not always because of. The Bears are averaging more than 30 points, Bill, over the last three weeks. 30, yeah, right? I'm looking at you smiling yeah, right 30, now. 31.3, yep. It's it's crazy to think that. This is the Chicago Bears, but they're averaging that many points because of Justin Fields, not because of a system, not because of – head coach and what he's doing, but because Justin Fields is the best player on the field and looking that way on Sundays. That's why. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. Like, and look, no, no one I think is going to objectively look at the Chicago bears offense from a talent perspective and say they are loaded. You know, this, this is not, you know, Darnell Mooney can play Cole Komet's been flashing the last couple of weeks. Like we, we understand. And obviously Claypool and, and Jenkins is developed. We're seeing some development on the offense, but this isn't a loaded offensive unit by any means 
what we're seeing is Justin Fields carrying an offense because he's so dynamic. I mean, Mike McDaniel yelling, stop it to him on the sidelines and McDaniel's great for the league, but it's that kind of thing. Like Bill Belichick didn't have an answer. The Dallas Cowboys defense did not have an answer. McDaniel and the Dolphins did not have an answer because of what he's able to do. And yeah, sure. Defenses are going to spy on him now and they're going to put a spy on him regularly, but and like I was saying, that feels like you're wasting a defender, not just because they're not in the pass game, but because you can't tackle Justin Fields one-on-one in the open field anyway. Yeah, 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 but yeah. what else are you going to do to try and stop the way he's playing right like, now? You can have like a rush plan for him, but you know what? If that rush plan fails to contain him or that rusher, it's like a Bradley Chubb gets to him and can't bring him down because he's too strong, too fast, too athletic, well, then you got problems. If you want to spy him, that spy... It's got to be damn fast. Be able to yeah. move laterally all over the field because Justin Fields can do that. He can run through you too. He's that type of athlete. Matt Eberflus, I, I love this description. He called it unscripted athleticism. Like things you can't plan for. Things that not all quarterbacks can have. Like this is where I'm at with, with Justin Fields. If the rushing yards that Josh Allen produces, that Jalen Hurts produces, that Lamar Lamar Jackson produces, if those are good things for those offenses, then this is a great thing for the Bears offense. If backyard football, backyard football-like plays are a good thing for Patrick Mahomes, they could be for Justin Fields and the Bears offense as well. You know why? Because that means your best player is your quarterback. Your best playmaker is your quarterback. The Bears have that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the the running plays right now, for the most part, is what's hitting the highlight reels. You know, you get 60-yard touchdown runs out of your quarterback when he's about to throw the football, realizes the receiver's not looking, tucks it down, and just the, the acceleration he had blown by that Dolphins defense is just something to behold. But the process we're seeing in the in the passing game as well, I think, is significantly improved. He, you know, through through progressions, decisions he's making, calls he's making at the line of scrimmage, you know, like Emmanuel Acho brought up, you know, the 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 play he, he the incomplete pass he threw to Darnell Mooney in the end zone, but you know, brought it up as this is development. This is a guy who came up to the defense, saw what they were going to give, saw that he was going to get Mooney one on one, and told Mooney to go for it and try to connect. Like he's a big game, he's a big play hunter. We know he's going to keep he's going to keep that mentality. So he's going to look deep a lot before he looks short. And I think Getzi's kind of working with him on that to say, you got to excel in the short game as well. And, and we're seeing that. We're seeing smarter decisions. We're seeing quicker decisions. And I think where he was in the passing, forget what we're seeing with the highlights, running the ball and the, and the weapon he's becoming. But in the passing game, where he was, say, against Houston versus what we're seeing now the last couple of weeks in those decisions, and where he could have been if he had a more talented offense that didn't have, you know, like the Vellis Jones drop the week before and, and Brown and what he like, they could be even better. And I think that's also exciting is seeing the quarterback learn and grow in terms of how the game is, how he's processing the game. Uh, the, the most sobering thing about like all this, all the things we're talking about, the, the, this, all these exciting things is that the Bears still have the worst passing offense in the league. But there's so much context to that. It's the offensive line. It's the it's the starters of that bad offensive line getting hurt. It's adding new receivers in week eight. It's having new guys come in and out of the lineup, you know, in various roles. It's everybody learning a new offense under Luke Getze. 
Luke Getzey learning how to be a better play caller. Sure. There's so much nuance to this. That's like if you're explain if you're just looking at the stats and all oh, the Bears have a bad passing offense, you know. But there's reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons for that. Even Justin Fields is part of that. Holding the ball too long. Him explaining recently that he's feeling pressure that's not there because the protection has has failed him at times. He's feeling things that that aren't there, but he's overcoming that. His completion percentage has gone up. He threw an absolute dime to Darnell Mooney in the corner of the end zone. Like the Cole Komet touchdown, the 18-yard run and score. That's a play that's been in the offense since the first day of training camp. That stuff is starting to click now, starting to slow down for him. It was always going to be a gradual process. The passing offense was always going to be a gradual process with new players coming in out, a new play caller, and just things to, to really figure out. Figure out what works for Justin Fields. Figure out what works for Darnell Moody. Now Chase Claypool was always going to take time. Progress was going to be incremental, smaller. But now you got this exciting things happening with the unscripted athleticism. Like that's game-changing stuff. And not all quarterbacks have that. Like quarterbacks can get developed as passers. Experience helps them develop. He just needs to play to get that. But some of the things he's doing with his legs – those exciting plays we we're just talking about. Not every quarterback can provide that to their teams, but Justin Fields can. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I look the the rest of this season, you know. And and look, I'm, I'm sure some Bears fans are sitting there going, "Look, you know, eight and nine might make the playoffs. Maybe they can." I, I'm not looking at it that way. I, this is a developmental year. You know, I think it's been pretty clear from the go that Ryan Poles was going to flip this roster and, and make things his own, but. If they win or lose games, and, and like I always said, you can sit there and say tanking is better. You want the fifth, sixth pick. If you're not going to make the playoffs, you may as well have the fifth pick than the 15th pick. And, and I get all that, but I'm not one who can cheer against the team on Sundays and go, oh, I, they only lost that one. That would be, I'm always going to cheer for this team to win. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there and hope Detroit pulls off a 41 to 38 miracle on Sunday. I want to see the Bears win games and, and, and build from that. But whether they win or lose these games, the rest of the season, I just think there's going to be so much enjoyment for Bears fans to just watch this develop and see where it goes. And I think because of how the Bears have been historically, you know, defensive oriented and things like that, and not quarterback oriented, even whether they've tried first round picks like Grossman or Trubisky, I think even if this team struggles to put wins, you know, in the in the left column there in the standings it's going to be fun to watch them over the, the last 10, 10 games here. At some point you want all this fun, all this development from Justin Fields to produce wins. Like there was a moment against the Dolphins where it was there. It's the deep ball to chase Claypool. That was pass interference. That wasn't clear. Called. And then, then yeah. it's fourth down. Justin Fields scrambles and makes a hell of a throw to Equinemius St. Brown and goes right through his hands. That's a drop. That is a bad drop in a big-time situation for the Bears. But that's also like what you want to see from Fields. You want to see him make those plays in those situations where that development turns into wins. So if the Bears are going to be in this shootout, like I'm expecting the, the game against Detroit to be a shootout. Like the Bears' defense isn't good, and Jared Goff, believe it or not, and the Lions, they can put up points. They can't. So you want that development. You want the good things to turn into a good win. 
that is more confidence and that is more rewarding for that development than anything. I know you want the draft pick. I know you want the top 12 pick and all that stuff. I understand that philosophy on things, that argument. But isn't it better if that confidence grows into victories for the Bears and that starts and ends with the young quarterback? That in itself is more more rewarding and more beneficial for the future than anything, I would think. Yeah, uh, look, no, no argument here. And, you know, look, a couple things to talk about besides Justin Fields on this team. And like, let me just get your opinion on the offensive line, because I think I think that's an interesting place to go. And, and forget about how they're going to perform the rest of the year. But what are you seeing from the offensive line in terms of the, the future building blocks? Like Tevin Jenkins' August was bizarre, right? And I don't know, you know, exactly. No one seems to know exactly what was transpiring there. But, you know, I, I saw a tweet from Brad Spielberger. He is the third ranked uh, from grades, BFF grades, the third ranked guard over the last month. He's playing tremendously well. Braxton Jones is flashing things. Cody Whitehair is having a bounce back year. Age and contract, I don't know if he fits in long term still, but kind of, you know, Lucas Patrick, when he's been on the field, not great. Sam Mustafer, I think, is what he is. Uh, playing pretty well, I think, better than most Bears fans expected. But what kind of where are you with this offensive line in terms of, what pieces you're seeing as potential starting pieces moving forward. Well, you nailed it with Jenkins, right? There's a building block right there. Second round pick, second round talent, maybe first round talent. If you didn't have the back issues coming out of Oklahoma state, you don't want to have wholesale changes. You don't want to go into the off season as Ryan Poles and be like, Oh man, we need five offensive linemen. Cause you know what, Bill on defense, he's probably thinking right now, I need five. I need a, new front I, seven. I, I need a defensive line. I need, I need a whole new, whole new front seven. Like, let, let, let's be honest, like the front seven needs some help. It needs some work in free agency and it needs some help in, in the draft. So you're looking at your offensive line. You're like, okay, Braxton Jones, there's something there. Cody Whitehair, I got a lot of money. So what? Keep him on the books. You know, let's, let's use him. He's played well. He's a, he's a team captain. Can't trade them all. Might as well keep this one who seems to be fitting in the offensive line. And then Tevin Jenkins, we have something here. You can't. <laughs> Like if you're Ryan Poles, like you take those three players, you're like, okay, like I'll take this three out of five. And you know what? Maybe we had another draft pick. We signed another veteran who's not Riley Reef and it increases competition elsewhere. Maybe we draft the center in, in the second round or, or third round to, to push Lucas Patrick. That's a better answer than what you're looking at defensively. We are looking at needing two defensive ends, maybe one defensive tackle and three linebackers for next season. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to touch on the defense before. And look, obviously, when you trade a talent like Roquan Smith, you're going to take a hit defensively. But Roquan Smith was on the field when they gave up nearly 50 points to Dallas. Sure, like yeah. this defense, you know, I really thought, you know, Flus and Williams were squeezing. You know, I didn't quite get why they couldn't, they weren't giving up second half points, basically. You know, the, the hole was definitely better than, than the, the parts. But, you know, now we're really kind of seeing the defense really kind of get exploited here and not having Roquan Smith and, and Robert Quinn, who wasn't doing much, but was drawing attention at least, obviously is going to, to lessen the, the amount of talent they have on the front seven. That's going to make the defense the, the job even harder for them. But what has it been for you where the defense was able to make stops and, and you know, at least turn the ball over for on a punt versus, you know, what we're seeing the last couple of weeks where it is basically first down after first down my bold prediction and you can read this here's a plug you can read this in the athletic later this week is that like the, the most significant investment 
will come on the defensive line. Because I know there's rightfully an obsession about receiver and offensive line and even tight end and running back a bit because you have Justin Fields now to build around. But that defensive line, it all starts there. I think you have a good secondary right now with Brisker, Jackson, Gordon, and, and Jalen Johnson. Like, that is a good secondary. I'm not sure what you have at defensive line. Beyond Justin Jones, who has flashed at times, there's a reason why Roquan Smith wasn't putting up the numbers. It's because the defensive line just isn't good enough. It, it just isn't. It all starts there. You need to find some game changers up front. You need to find some pass rush up front. Tua had too much time. Jared Goff's going to have too much time. That starts up front. I'm all for blitzing guys, and I think Alan Williams should do more of it. But you need your front four to produce some type of pass rush. You're not thinking about blitzing all the time. So I think the defensive line right now stands out to me as probably the most problematic position that's going to go through some changes this offseason. Yeah, and that's and that's what I wanted to finish with was the kind of this offseason and kind of and you kind of answered some of it there. And look, I think there's absolutely going to be a focus on the offense. They're going to address wide receiver again. I don't know if they're going to go out and get another free agent. Kind of looking at a big picture, you're going to pay Mooney and Claypool something. I don't know if they're going to hit 20 million, but you're going to 16, 17, 18, maybe 20 million a piece. I don't know if they're going to have, you know, go out and get another guy and have, you know, 60, you know, 50, 60 million dollars at the wide receiver position. You know, maybe they need rookie contracts there. Maybe they look second round for a, a wide receiver. But I think they're definitely going to look veteran to bring a veteran or two on the offensive line. And I think you nail it. You know, someone like Deron Payne, something like that to really bulk up defensively. And if they do lose a lot of games and have an opportunity with the, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh pick, if someone's sitting there like Jalen Carter from Georgia, I think that is a three tech that would just make Flus drool. Like, you know, so I do think, and I have screamed <laughs> for since March that I wanted investment around Justin Fields. But I think when you look at the big picture of this team right now, that, you know, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, spend high picks, especially the way Eberflus answered the question about potentially taking Roquan Smith instead of Quentin Nelson, uh, you know, like he did last week and just be, oh, we wouldn't take an off-ball linebacker that high. I don't think they're going to, like, address the, that type of position, but, you know, going out and signing a quality edge, assigning a, a, an interior defensive lineman and hitting those back up in the draft, I think there's going to be, as much, if not more of a focal point there than it will be infusing the offense with more talent as well. And you know what? If there is still, like, I like the shift in resources towards the offense this year. I, I really did. It's, whether it's the drafting all the guys on day three, all the offensive linemen that way, or it's trading for Chase Claypool this year, it's like that investment needs to be maintained. But to your point, like if you're tiering the positions, from Matt Eberflus and that defense, it's the three-tech tackle, it's the weak side linebacker, and it's the nickel, right? They have the nickel in Kyler Gordon. They need to go safety, and I think they have the safeties in Brisker and Jackson. You got to find that three-technique, that disruptor. And Justin Jones has been fine, but maybe he's more of a rotational guy. Maybe he's not that true game-changer that we've seen here in that three-technique. It starts there. I really think it does. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and look, Justin Fields, if this is if this season continues fu as fun as it looks like it's going to be, what wins or losses, and then the amount of money and draft picks coming in next year, 
I think there's going to be a lot, not just in Chicago. I think the national media is going to have some big expectations for the 2023 Chicago Bears. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Adam, thanks <laughs> <different>. so much. <laughs> yeah, right. Something we're not used to. That's for sure. In Chicago, Adam, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for so much time. Really enjoy the conversation. Make sure you guys all go out and read uh, Adam on the athletic. And of course the Hogan Johns podcast, Adam, thanks so much. Thanks Bill. All right, there he is, Adam Johns of The Athletic. I'm sure you all know him well, uh, but uh, love talking to Johnsy. Because you know what, I feel, look, there are some bears on the beat who are really pessimistic. And I think, you know, when you cover the bears year after year, pessimism is going to, you know, percolate to the top there because it's going to bubble over because you're expecting the other shoe to drop. You're expecting failure because that's what, you, that's what you're used to covering. And, and then there are some that are just strictly in, in the Homer category, right? It's, it's almost painful. Like you say something objective and they sit there, oh no, this is gonna be great and that's gonna be great. No, patience, pay. like, you, but there's no objectivity about it. And then there are some on the beat and the two that I think most come to mind there that are, you know, marquee level beat guys is Brad Biggs and Adam Johns. Not only do they have information and they're plugged in at Hallis Hall, so they have informed opinions and, and they give you information, but they're objective as well. So th those are definitely my two favorite guys on this beat. Kevin Fishbane, I think is another guy that does really well. You know, he focuses a little bit more on the analytics and the, the snap counts and and things like that. And I, I like where he goes with a lot of his information. He's a little, he's different. He provides something different than John's, even though they're both on the athletic. But you know, John's, he's, he's one of my favorites. That was a great conversation. I really feel, you know, he gives it to you objectively, but he also sits there and says, this is exciting. We should be embracing this and having fun with this. And yes, you know, like he said, the Bears from passing numbers are one of the least efficient passing teams in the league but they're also running the ball 40 times a game. They're only throwing the ball 20 times a game. They're throwing it half as much as most of the other teams in the league. When you look at the full statistics, you're going to get the first five weeks of the season. Because when you look at the last you know, four or five weeks and you start looking kind of at the advanced analytics at the quarterback position and the passing situation, you're seeing the Chicago Bears in terms of per attempt you're seeing those numbers go up significantly where they're in the top five and they're in the top 10. So the passing game is actually becoming a lot more efficient than it was. It's not getting reflected in the numbers as much because when you sit there and see Justin Fields throwing for 110 yards versus 140 yards, you're sitting there assuming he's struggling in the passing game just as much. But you're seeing things within that, the yards per attempt, the, the, the turnover worthy plays, the, you know, you're seeing all those type of things improve dramatically where the passing game is going to come along, right? But it's it's not there yet. So you're seeing the growth and obviously you're seeing the dynamic play and that is fun and that is exciting. And that's all I was trying to tweet about and, and just get excited because it's been a struggle with this Bears team basically since 2018. And even before that, I mean, it took Ryan Pace a long time. I mean, you really back up and look at this team and we know how bad they were in 2014 when Mark Tressman got fired, right? And they blew everyone out after just two years, right? 2013 
was fun because Mark Tressman scored some points, but they were a bad team. They actually got worse. I always thought that was funny. The Lovey Smith, the Lovey Smith team the year before won more games. Mark Tressman comes in, loses more games, but does it a little more flashy. And everyone's like, oh, the Bears are better. No, they weren't better. And if you give most offensive coordinators, you know, Jay Cutler in his prime, which I understand there were deficiencies, you give Jay Cutler in your prime with Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, and Matt Forte, you better be able to score some points. So that collapsed. So basically, since Lovey Smith, we had a disastrous Mark Tressman era, era, a very slow building Ryan Pace era that finally got to 2018, which we loved that defense and the Santa sleigh and all the fun plays and everything. And then what does happen? They, the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy just tried to recreate the 2018 magic year after year. They did not have it. And it was struggle. It was painful to watch them struggle to do so. And now we're finally seeing something, something to be excited about. And that's Justin Fields and Luke Getze. Cause I think Getze gets it. He knows what he's supposed to do with a quarterback with this skill set, something Matt Nagy refused to do. Matt Nagy wanted to run his offense and wanted you know, and felt that his offense is what was going to make, you know, make the Bears' offense hum. And it's players that make an offense, not a scheme. You need both, but you need the players. And Matt Nagy did not do anything to build anything around his offensive talent. He says, "This is the this is the offense we're running. You figure it out." And that does not work. And we saw very clearly that does not work. Now you have Luke Getze, who's developing an offense as Justin Fields grows. And that's the thing. As Justin Fields continues to improve in his passing game, we're going to continue to see Luke Getze tweak this offense. And this offense is going to grow together. Luke Getze is going to grow as a play caller. Hopefully this offensive line will grow. You heard it from John's there. Jenkins, lock him in. That is a guy who's going to be a part of your offensive line. As long as the back holds up, he's going to be part of your offensive line for the next decade. Braxton Jones, Looks like he might be the guy. He's probably earned year number two at a minimum. You notice Johns didn't mention Borum. I don't think Borum's a long-term piece. Cody Whitehair may not be a long-term piece, but he certainly looks like a 2023 piece based on how he's played. You know, if especially if he can stay healthy the rest of the year, he gets hurt again, then you start wondering if maybe the body's breaking down. And you know you need a new center, and you probably need a new right tackle. So go out whether it's McGlinchey or Conklin, you know, I got to look exactly at who's available, you know, in the offensive line, you know, at tackle, see who's available at center. If there's a good scheme fit, a solid player there, go out, make sure you draft an offensive lineman. Maybe it's a tack, you know, BPA if in first round, maybe it's a tackle. And maybe Braxton Jones loses out because you signed Jack Conklin and then you had a tackle sitting there at the eighth pick and you had to had to make the move. So we'll we'll see how this develops. Maybe they go interior offensive line on day two, you know, in a round three pick. And that guy is, you know, earns his way into the starting lineup in, in you know, his rookie year. So we're going to see what happens here. But what we do know is that you can expect, you know, it may be a, a, a mid-level guy, but you can expect another probably veteran wide receiver to join this group. You can expect a rookie wide receiver for sure to join this group. Couple offensive linemen from veteran perspective, probably here. Couple defensive linemen, maybe a linebacker. You're probably going to see them sign six or seven new names in free agency and then infuse another three or four guys on draft day that they're going to expect to start potentially in year one. 
You, you sign five or six free agents to start and you draft three or four rookies to start, you're flipping over almost half of your starting lineup from one year to the next. And that is how you go from potentially, let's say a six and 11 team this year to an 11 and six team next year. It's going to be a fun ride. So I've been saying it all year, but let's not worry about wins and losses. Let's not destroy the defense who is going to get lit up the rest of the year. They're playing some good at Buffalo, you know, uh, Philadelphia, Detroit can score some points. They are going to get lit up. It is going to be a defensive struggle the rest of the year for, for this defensive team. But if they can keep having some fun, dynamic plays and score on offense, it really isn't going to matter. It really isn't going to matter. Look, like I said, I cheer for wins, but the Bears losing every game 34 to 31 is probably the best thing that could happen for this, deep, for this team long term. Because I brought it up to John's there, Jalen Carter. And look, you're, you're looking, if you're, a, if you're a draft guy, there's probably three quarterbacks that are going to go. I don't know if they're going to go, you know, you got to see how things kind of develop here over the next four months, five months. But you got three quarterbacks, right? You got Young, you got Stroud, and you got Will Levis. So you got those three. You've got Anderson, the edge, and you've got Jalen Carter. Those are probably your top five guys in the draft in terms of where they're going to go. But, you know, maybe an offensive lineman or someone else kind of infuses there. Maybe some, you know, edge, they're gonna, most teams are gonna want an edge before they're gonna want a three tech like Carter. If the Bears go six and 11 and are sitting there with the seventh pick of the draft, when you sit there and talk about there being three quarterbacks potentially taken ahead that the Bears aren't taking, that means the Bears potentially could be getting like the third or fourth best non-quarterback in the draft. That is a sweet spot to be in. I would love Jalen Carter on this team. Just watching him last weekend against Tennessee, the man is a wrecking ball. He is a wrecking ball out there. I would think he's an impact player from day one. Now, again, they're probably not going to be high enough up there to get Carter, but, you know, maybe a Paris Johnson along the offensive line. There are other people, other players that are going to be out there. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, kind of where they end up in the draft this year. A lot of bad teams. A lot of bad teams in the NFL this year. I mean, you might have two teams with losing records make the playoffs in the NFC. Because, you know, unless Tampa figures it out, you're going to have a, someone in the NFC South with a 7-10 and 10 or an 8-9 and nine record win that division. And then, I mean, right now, San Francisco is the 7th seed at 4-4. Four and four. And they could easily be an 8-9 team. So you could potentially have two teams with losing records in the playoffs in the NFC. I mean, you've got that many bad teams. So the difference for the Bears in terms of draft position between being 5-12 and 12 and, say, 7-10, uh, and 10, huge. That could 5-12 and 12 could be the fifth or sixth pick in the draft. 7-10 and 10 could be the 16th or 17th pick in the draft. I think you're going to have a real big log jam there. So again, I'm not advocating to cheer for the Bears to lose. Again, I am always one that will cheer for the Bears to win on Sundays, but knowing this is a developing season for them, you gotta sit there and wonder if they lose some games. And like I said, they've got some tough games coming up. You know, there's probably some games that they don't have the capability of winning with the talent level they have on the field. They end up going, say, 5-12. and 12. 
they're going to have a really, really sweet pick this year. So it's going to be kind of fun. Again, I, I just want offense. That's all I want the rest of the year. I, I, you know, if they lose every game, you know, 38 to 35, I, sign me up. I'd rather them lose every game 38 to 35 than win games, you know, 17 to 16. So I, I want to see fields develop. That's all I'm watching. I'm watching Fields and Getze together and what they can do. So for this game coming up against Detroit, I think this is going to be an interesting game. The Bears, I expect the Bears to win this one. I expect the Bears to cover this one. You know, I think a lot of people kind of sat there and said, you're riding this excitement from the offense looking better here against Miami. They're not, because I, if you remember, I predicted 38-31 Miami. Now, I can sit there and pat myself on the back because 38-31 is pretty close to 35-32. But if you're a gambler, you don't like my 38-31 versus 35-32, to if you know what I mean. So for this Detroit game, I mean, look, they can score some points. And I think they will score. I don't know if they're going to light up the Bears defense because Jared Goff, while he can make some throws, he's still Jared Goff. And this Detroit defense is bad. A lot of holes, a lot of opportunities for Justin Fields. So I think the offense continues to hum. And they're averaging 31.3 points per game over the last three games. So why? Why stray? I will say Chicago Bears 31, Detroit 20. A comfortable win for Chicago. And they will improve their record to four and six on the season. We will talk about it next week. We'll see if I'm right. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Adios.